Today on the Locked On Blues podcast, NHL free agency begins tomorrow, and it looks like the St. Louis Blues are not going to be bringing back David Perron. Seems like they have plans to use that cap space elsewhere, perhaps to add a defenseman. Also not coming back is Dakota Joshua and Charlie Lindgren, so a lot of question marks for the St. Louis Blues heading into free agency. There could be a couple big names coming in to fill some big roles. Lots to talk about. Make sure you stay tuned. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm your host, Josh Hyman, as always, and got a busy episode for you today, sort of just going over the initial stages of free agency, going to be talking about the blues plans, and I also want to throw in a little bit of Blackhawk slander again, because they are just going for the tank of all tanks, but that'll be that'll be towards the end if we have time, because a lot of blues news to get into, but before we get into that, I want to thank all you guys out there for making Lockdown Blues your first listen because we are free and available on all podcast platforms. All right, so as it stands right now, the Blues have a projected $9 million in cap space. Their free agents consist of Tyler Bozak, David Perron, Nico Mikola, Scott Perunovic, Nick Letty, um, and Charlie Lindgren as well. And it's looking like of that list, um, obviously also a couple other guys, RFAs, such as Dakota Joshua, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's looking like of those guys, not a lot of UFAs, if any, are going to be coming back. So Bozak and Perron are UFAs, unrestricted free agents, as well as Charlie Lindgren. Um, RFAs, if you guys don't know, that just means that if the Blues don't re-sign a restricted free agent right away, any contract offer that those guys may get, the Blues can match. So theoretically, I don't think it's going to happen, but theoretically, if the Blues don't re-sign Scott Perunovich right away and the Buffalo Sabres offer him a three-year deal at $1.2 million per year, the Blues can say, no, we'll match that deal. We'll sign him there. So if you see some of those names not get re-signed right away, there's really no need to panic. The Blues are still likely bringing those guys back. However, it's looking like David Perron will not be returning to the St. Louis Blues next season, uh, as well as Charlie Lindgren. So let's start talking about David Perron, the elephant in the room, the reason why a lot of you guys are probably clicking on this episode. Um, David Perron is an extremely, extremely loyal member of the St. Louis Blues. He left... I think he was either traded or left in free agency a few seasons back um, and then re-signed with the St. Louis Blues. And then they left him exposed in the expansion draft where he was taken by the Vegas Golden Knights, where he then eventually again re-signed with the St. Louis Blues. So he has re-signed with the Blues on two separate occasions after leaving the organization. Um, and unfortunately, you know, barring a miracle, it doesn't look like that's going to happen again. He is getting up there. Uh, in age and I guess he is asking for a little bit more than what the Blues are comfortable giving him now they do have as of right now about nine million dollars in cap space now some of that is gonna go towards guys like Scott Perunovic maybe Nico Mikola but even then that's a couple million here or there so 
technically, if the Blues wanted to, they have the money to re-sign David Perron. It just sounds like they would like to use that money somewhere else. Uh, the the news that's going around is the Blues could free up cap space in order to bring David Perron back, meaning that the whatever cap space they have available is probably going to be a little north of $5 million after they give out all that RFA money. They're planning on using in free agency. So if they freed up maybe, I don't know, an additional $5 million, that would be enough to re-sign David Perron. But then the question is, where does that money really come from? You know, if they're if they're so set on upgrading in free agency and rolling with this forward core, is it likely that the Blues would trade some of those players? You know, it's it, you assume it wouldn't be a defenseman because they're trying to desperately upgrade defensemen, and that's in my opinion why they're saving money for free agency would be to bring in a defenseman unless they have some mega brain four thousand IQ Johnny Gaudreau move in the works or Matthew Kachuk or something like that. I would assume that it would be someone like Brett Kulak or another defenseman who's not, you know, a huge fish free agent, but is still going to be commanding, like I said, about four or $5 million. And they would like to use that money on that upgrade rather than use it on David Perron. And it's extremely frustrating um, as a fan. You know, David Perron has been extremely loyal. He has been one of, if not our best consistent forward uh, in years past, he is a top three power play player in the league based on advanced metrics, I think. He is a spectacular player. Yes, he's getting up there in age. Yes, a lot of similarities have been risen with David Backus and, you know, the injury history. And you don't want to bring a guy that's 33, 34 on a five-year deal when he's potentially going to fall off a cliff halfway through year one, like what the Bruins did with David Backus. But I honestly think David Perron is better right now than David Backus was when he left the Blues to go sign with the Boston Bruins. Does that mean that they both won't have a similar trajectory and David Perron is going to become a replacement-level player this season? He very well might. This very well might be the season that David Perron reaches the end of his peak and starts to regress. But with how good that he's been the last two seasons for the St. Louis Blues, it's very frustrating and honestly going to be a very hard hole to fill. Um when departing agency. Now, in the second segment coming up, I'm going to talk about what this means for a potential Vladimir Tarasenko trade and how, in my opinion, it completely erases all possibility of Vladimir Tarasenko being traded. So stay tuned for that in the second segment, as well as uh, what it means that they're not bringing Charlie Lindgren back, because that's just another hole that they're going to have to fill in free agency. And what does that mean for Jordan Binnington if they want someone with more experience than Charlie Lindgren backing him up? Do the Blues have faith in Jordan Binnington as the number one starter? So lots of stuff to talk about in this upcoming second and third segment. Before I get into any of that, I want to tell you guys about Built Bar and one of their new exciting products. Now, from the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. The Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love in a delicious, chewy, marshmallowy, Delicious bar covered in 100% chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. So go to built.com ASAP to make sure you don't miss out. They're going fast because they taste amazing. They're delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Go to built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk puffs right now. Go to built.com. 
Use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. We'll be right back with the second half of today's episode. All right. So, starting off with some bad news. The fact that David Perron is more than likely not going to be a St. Louis Blue next season regarding some huge unforeseen changes in free agency or trades or whatever. Um... But silver lining, good news, maybe, is that Vladimir Tarasenko, in all likelihood, will not be traded now. I think the the odds on him being traded were already very low. Um, I know I did a couple of episodes pitching Tarasenko trades, but <clears throat> excuse me, that was in you know its very initial phase. We didn't know much about it, and all the news that's come out since then is that the Blues aren't even actively shopping Tarasenko, and you know they're more likely just going to let him play out on his contract, and then. If anything, go sign somewhere else in free agency, which we'll talk about that in the future. But if that's their plan, then this season upcoming could very well be the final season of the Blues' current window, quote-unquote. Um, but that's that's a conversation for another day. I don't want to get into that because, frankly, I'm too scared to talk about that and think of a potential Blues without Tarasenko, O'Reilly, Perron, and all those usual suspects. A lot of implications here heading into this free agency. A lot of subtle implications that are sort of going to manifest themselves over the next few years. Um, because the Blues aren't bringing back David Perron, if they were to also bring, not bring back Vladimir Tarasenko, or not, 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 not bring him back, but trade him, get rid of him, unless you're bringing in a right wing one way or another, that's your top two right wingers gone. Um, I don't have their roster in front of me, but... I'm not sure who would become their first and second line right wing if both of those things happened. And because of that, I think it's all but guaranteed that Vladimir Tarasenko will be back with the St. Louis Blues next season just because I don't think that they can afford to lose that much depth on their right side. Um, look, there's uh, there's uh, some some scary times afoot for the St. Louis Blues. I don't think it's it's as drastic as like, Something like the Chicago Blackhawks are going through where, oh, the Blues aren't even going to make the playoffs next year. I still think that they make the playoffs if they get rid of, if if David Perron doesn't come back. You know, they have ample goal scoring. It's just a matter of when you get to the playoffs and David Perron, who was probably their best player in the playoffs, um, what are you going to do there? And you know what? It's not a guarantee. I think with David Perron on the roster and, you know, a tandem of Jordan Bennington and Billy Huso, the St. Louis Blues are a contending team. I think they showed that by beating the eventual Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche, twice. Do the St. Louis Blues beat the Colorado Avalanche twice without Billy Huso and David Perron on the roster? Probably not, because when Jordan Bennington gets hurt, if you're turning to a guy like Charlie Lindgren or whoever the Blues may bring in at backup, I don't know if you, you win another game against Colorado. You know, I, I don't know how the rest of that series goes. Um, but regardless, or, you know, I mean, even, even if like they got as close as they did, you know, Billy Huso kept them in that last game, sent it to overtime. I just think those games might've been blowouts if you don't have Billy Huso. So, you know, they still might've won two games or whatever, but it wouldn't have been quite as close. And they probably wouldn't even have got to that point if they didn't have Billy Huso on the roster to sort of save them when Jordan Bennington went on his, his cold stretch. So there's a lot that, that, is, is sort of triggered by the domino effect of David Perron not resigning. Now, one thing that's interesting there is they're going to have a lot of cap space. They're going to have enough cap space to sign one really big fish or two pretty big players. Um, and 
as of right now, it looks like one of those players is going to have to be a backup goalie. The Blues aren't planning on using Joel Hofer as their backup. Uh, sources say that they want to give him at least one or two more years in the AHL, which is fine. That's understandable. That's typical goalie progression. Um, but they're not bringing back Charlie Lindgren. He's going to hit the open market. So other than that, they got no one. So they're pretty much guaranteed to either sign or trade for a backup goaltender. Now, there are a couple good options out there. You know, I don't think they're going to have the hardest time finding a backup goalie, but that sort of begs the question, how confident are they in Jordan Bennington that they want someone more reliable than Charlie Lindgren as his backup? You know, you got to find someone. I mean, you're not going to be able to find someone in the Billy Huso tier because Billy Huso is a goalie that is now getting starter money and starter minutes with the Detroit Red Wings. Um, so you're not going to be able to find that uh, anywhere else. Uh, you could take a flyer on a guy like Ilya Samsonov, but again, the Blues probably want someone more reliable than that. Same thing with like a guy like Eric Comrie has limited experience, has shown decent potential, but it sounds like the Blues want a guy that if a repeat of this past season happens and they need to turn to their backup to be a potential long-term starter, they want someone who can handle that workload. And that's that's frustrating because it feels like that's just money that could be used so much better. You know, if if you're if you're basically having to swallow up paying a backup goalie a million or two million dollars extra because you need a guy that could potentially be a one B because the guy that you're playing starter money in Jordan Bennington can't be trusted. That sucks. That's money that could have been used to re-sign David Perron. Um, now I could be wrong. They could go out and just sign a traditional backup, and Jordan Bennington could have a great season and whatever, but it doesn't sound like management trusts Jordan Bennington enough to just give him a bona fide backup goalie. It sounds like management is still hesitant on Jordan Bennington and his ability to have success over an entire 82-game season plus playoffs, and they want to bring in a guy that can do what Billy Huso did last season, if need be. And that's frustrating because that's just, that's sort of handcuffing the team into spending two, three million dollars on a backup when they could spend you know, a million dollars on a backup or bring back Charlie Lindgren or call up Joel Hofer if they were confident that Jordan Bennington could start 55, 60 games next year. And it just doesn't sound like that's the case. So that's going to be interesting to see the direction they go there. And then also the rest of that money, I'm assuming, is going to be used on a defenseman. And you look at the defenseman market and you say, okay, who's out there that's going to command four, $5 million. And the list is kind of slim. The pickings are definitely slim. I, a name that I've seen thrown around a lot is Kulak. Um, I think I would like that a lot for the St. Louis Blues. Jeff Petrie is another guy that's um, teams are kicking the tires on. He's uh, he's not a free agent, but um, or at least to my knowledge, he's not a free agent. But he's a guy that the Blues have shown interest in in the past. That would have to be more of a, a trade situation. But it sounds like with this remaining cap space that they're going to save from not bringing back David Perron, not bringing back Charlie Lindgren, is going to be used, at least in my opinion, on two spots, a backup goaltender and a top, maybe a top four defenseman. I mean, right now you have Tori Krug, Justin Falk, uh, and Colton Pareko as your as your three sort of defensemen. There's one spot, whether that be on the second pairing or the first pairing. I think that really depends on who's available and who's out there. Uh, but Nick Letty, I can't imagine is going to be that guy. But then you look at Nick Letty and you say, okay, he was like a third-pairing defenseman, second-pairing defenseman skill-wise for the St. Louis Blues. Like, yeah, he had his moments, but he wasn't anything special, and he's going to be too expensive for them. You know, he's asking for five and a half, six million dollars. So based on that calculation, based on that that conversion, you're going to get a player worse than Nick Letty to fill Nick Letty's role. 
and Nick Letty didn't do the best job at his role. Like, yeah, he was good. You know, he was a solid player. Um, it's not like he was bad. He was a bad addition. He probably helped the team more than he hurt them. But the fact that the Blues were relying on Nick Letty in their top four come playoff time against a team like the Colorado Avalanche is one of their biggest weaknesses and one of the reasons why they weren't able to beat the Colorado Avalanche. And now you're saying, okay, so they, Nick Letty's too expensive. Let's bring someone in a little bit cheaper than that to fill the exact same role. And that's when I get concerned. If you're not bringing back David Perron because you need to find a Nick Letty replacement, but that Nick Letty replacement is going to be less expensive than Nick Letty, I don't know, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to use like 8 million of that gap space and go after Johnny Gaudreau and completely reinvent the team. I don't know. I trust Doug Armstrong with my life. He has made some tremendous, tremendous moves in the past. The one issue, however, with some of his moves is he's given out a little bit too much money to guys on contracts, whether that be free agent or contract extension. I think we're seeing that now. They're a little bit cap strapped and God knows how cap strapped they're going to be when the Robert Thomas contract is due and the Jordan Cairo contract is due. So it's going to be a hectic few seasons for the St. Louis Blues. And tomorrow is going to be the first domino in that. You know, if they go out there and they sign another defenseman to a long-term deal, then all of a sudden you have Tory Krug, Justin Falk, Colton Pareko, and insert free agent defenseman signed for the next five years at a combined $20 million. Then you're, you're very, very, very set with the team that you have there in terms of your freedom of moving. And you really got to hope that those four defensemen are able to be a consistent top four for the next four years. Because if they're not, you're looking at becoming the next San Jose Sharks. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. This episode has sounded very doom and gloom, and it sounds like I'm very down on the St. Louis Blues, but I don't think that they're that stupid where they're going to handcuff themselves with you know four defensemen for the next five years that may or may not be capable of having a top four. I think this next season might be a bit of a transition year with Tarasenko more than likely leaving in free agency next season if they don't find the trade partner for him. They're kind of preparing for that. They're kind of preparing for a changing of the guard. And because of that, I can't see them trying to put a core together this offseason when that core is going to be drastically different with the absence of David Perron and likely Vladimir Tarasenko in a few years' time. It's going to be hectic. I'm excited, but I'm also terrified. It's going to be fun to talk about. Now, in this final segment, I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks and why their tanking strategy just pisses me off. So make sure you stay tuned. All right, so if any of y'all have been following free agency, have been following anything, it's pretty apparent that the Chicago Blackhawks are doing their best uh minor league hockey team impression right now they have gotten rid of anybody and everybody the only consistent roster players left on the Chicago Blackhawks are Patrick Kane Jonathan Taves and Seth Jones everybody else has been traded has been not re-signed has been not qualified which first of all they traded away uh what's his face uh Debrinket for next to nothing uh they're shopping Kirby Dak uh they're not giving a qualifying offer to Dominic Kubalik All their young guys, gone, free agency, traded, whatever. Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, I can't imagine they're going to be on the team next season. Maybe one of them, just because of how bad the Chicago Blackhawks are trying to tank. And you know what? There are two potentially generational prospects in this upcoming draft, Connor Bedard and Matvey Mikshov or something like that. I might have gotten the second name wrong there, but... There are two generational talents. If there's ever a year to tank, it would be this season. However, tanking in general, I think, is just gross. Especially if you're a team like the Chicago Blackhawks, where God knows how much people are paying for season tickets. You're paying a gajillion dollars to go sit, you know, in the upper level 
of their stadium and listen to Chelsea Dagger all the time and you're watching a bunch of AHLers go out there and skate around because they have grit and competitiveness and are only going to lose by two goals instead of six. I mean, look, there's no way the Chicago Blackhawks win more than 25 games next year with the way that they're constructing their roster. I mean, who knows? They could go out and make a move and go for a guy like Evgeny Malkin or whatever to try to stay somewhat relevant. But as of right now, this is one of the most blatant tanking attempts I've ever seen in hockey. And it would be one thing if it was coming from a, a, a mid-lower market team that doesn't attract free agents, that doesn't have a lot of draft success, that really needs to tank. And, you know, even though that would frustrate me, I would understand it because if you're a team like the Buffalo Sabres from a few years ago and they sort of tanked, it was like, okay, yeah, Buffalo hasn't been good in forever. Maybe their best shot at getting relevant again is tanking. And you know what? It kind of worked a little bit, whatever. But the Chicago Blackhawks are one of the greatest sports dynasties that we've seen in the last decade, as much as it pains me to say it, it's true. And they're, they have an incredibly loyal fan base that really likes watching their team play. And it, to me, feels like they're kind of just laughing in those fans' faces and saying like, hey, you know, this team that you've loved to watch that you spent thousands of dollars to pay for season tickets to this upcoming season, yeah, we're going to be absolutely awful. And it is by absolutely our own doing, you know? It's not like just unfortunate circumstances had led them to be bad they're gonna be one of if not the worst team in the league completely by their own doing and if I'm a Chicago Blackhawks fan and I already you know renewed my season tickets a few months ago and all of a sudden I'm seeing all these moves that they're doing and you know looking at watching the I don't know who their AHL affiliate is the Rockford Ice Hounds I could be completely wrong but whatever if I'm going to watch a glorified AHL team 41 games a season after already dropping thousands of dollars on season tickets i'm pissed i'm frustrated like there's no way that you can be you can be satisfied with the product that you're watching if you're a chicago blackhawks fan and the blues fan in me that's hilarious that's awesome i'm praying on their downfall i i hope that they win four games next year and then get bumped back to the fifth pick in the draft and don't get rewarded for their tanking but as a hockey fan this is just disappointing and this sets a frustrating precedent and frankly terrifies me that if the Blues get some sort of similar inclination when they start losing some guys at free agency, I wouldn't want the Blues to do that. As much as it would be exciting to potentially land a guy like Connor Bedard or Matt Vemichov, I wouldn't want to throw away a full season of hockey just to get a 14% chance at a generational talent who might not even be as good as we think they might be. But you know what? To each their own, if that's the, the direction the Blackhawks want to go, Unfortunately, I have no power to stop them. The fans have no power to stop them. They're going to rake in tons and tons of money in merchandise and season ticket sales and put out a terrible product on the ice. And knowing the Blackhawks' luck in five years from now are going to have the best player in the league because their tanking worked. But right now, it it makes me mad. (laughs) And that's my rant. That's my third segment rant. Look, I don't know. This free agency is going to be crazy. Um, It starts tomorrow. Should be a lot of fun. You know, I'll have plenty more episodes out for you guys covering the NHL upcoming NHL free agency. But that being said, that is all the time I have for you guys today. So make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to me on. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Locked On Blues. Hit the notification bell that way whenever a new episode goes live, 6 p.m. Eastern, usually the schedule that I'm going with. But just in case you're, you know, you're busy, put, hit that notification bell. That way you'll get a notification on your phone. You can click right on the video, see my beautiful face. Um, follow all of Locked On Blues social channels. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter at Locked On Blues. You can follow me on Twitter 
at Josh Hyman NHL. Thank you all so much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues.